I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB. Thanks for joining me here today. Um, about to get into some several quotes from somebody that never featured on this show before, but we had the passing of somebody that I think should be remembered for more than just what the media tells us about them. So we'll get into that in just a second, but I, I can't start the show. I talked a little bit yesterday about the fact that uh, I, I'm so bummed out that the government is coming clean about UFOs because they're they're basically the only people I don't trust around this issue. <laughs> They're just ruining it because anything they say, I have to automatically assume it's a lie. So I'm I'm left really wondering what's going on with the UFO stuff. But I ran across last night a story, and I talked yesterday, if you hadn't seen it, this, this 911 response call, a police officer's body cam video of responding to a call, and they got the 911 call recording where the guy says, something crashed in our backyard. There are eight to ten foot creatures there's two of them one of them staring at me and that was interesting enough it was they seemed like normal people and there was a fireball that had been seen on camera descending in that area something crashed and i saw another last night so i saw a new kind of a follow-up news story from the las vegas media about it there was also uh it might have been a ring doorbell or something like that that recorded a big flash of light and then what sounded like a crash (laughs) Uh, Add to that, though, at the very end of this report that they did from this Las Vegas news station, and I I don't have it queued up to play or anything, but they said that there was video of these beings. They said that people had asked this family, well, why didn't you take any video of it? And the family apparently has said, we did. That's going to be extremely interesting. Again, it's very difficult these days for us to trust our even our eyes and our ears because of all of the photoshopping and AI and the rest of it. But uh, again, these people sounded fairly credible. So there could be some forthcoming video. So these people are, I guess they're biding their time. I would imagine they're shopping this. If this is true, then a couple of aliens basically just traveled across the entire universe to make this one Hispanic family a million, (laughs) a million dollars. That's got to be longer odds than the lottery itself, I would say. Uh, that you can cross all space and time and just plop yourself down there to get video by this one family. It's going to be a, be a big seller. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, quotes of the day today. This past weekend, or yeah, I think it was this past weekend, end of last week, Ted Kaczynski died. Ted Kaczynski, for anybody who doesn't know, was the Unabomber for nearly 20 years. There was, a, I think, the largest manhunt in history 
when it came to the FBI, was looking for this guy that was sending out package bombs to people fairly randomly, uh, in particularly in Berkeley and I believe Chicago, uh, Utah, a couple of other places. But just every few months and then every few years, I think there were a total of maybe 12 or 16 bombs sent through the mail, several people injured, a horrific crime to innocent people who opened their mail. Um, but it was covered as this one lone nut job. He was found in a cabin up in, uh, I think it was Montana, a 14 by 10 cabin with no electricity, no running water. The guy was a hermit, but he was making bombs and sending them out. It, it was quite a big story, and I believe it was 1995 when he was captured. And that's pretty much where the mainstream media left the story, of course. You know, one lone nut job out in the woods mailing out these bombs, and the FBI was high-fiving themselves. They had finally found him. His brother actually turned him in because he put out his manifesto. He said he would stop putting out bombs if they published his manifesto. And essentially what this Ted Kaczynski guy, he was, he was a, a genius. They said, I think, 169 IQ. He was railing against the system, and most particularly technology. And really, it turns out he's a pretty prescient guy. He had been a professor at Harvard and at Berkeley. He had gone to Harvard when he was only 16 years old. Here's the thing that probably a lot of people, it's, it's not usually in the tale of the Unabomber. When he went to Harvard at age 16, he signed up for a psychological experiment that lasted for three years. Weekly meetings for three years with a psychologist who was studying. Now, I think people have pointed to this to be part of MK Ultra. I'll be honest, I have not verified that, but it was a scientist that was involved with interrogation techniques and these kinds of things. I don't know if this was the formal MKUltra uh, uh, experiments done through the CIA, or if this was just one of their scientists who was testing some of his hypotheses on some of the students at Harvard. But at 16, 17 years old, Ted Kaczynski embarked on this, where this interrogator, this professor, sought to break him down challenged him and people and if you see accounts of this through documentaries there's when when he was done with this experiment he was nothing like when he went in when he went into the experiment he was a, a good kid you know overly smart so probably not the most social guy but when he came out he was withdrawn he, he didn't have the joy in his life anymore because essentially one of these people at the behest of our government went out there and experimented on this young kid and destroyed his brain. So I think that's worth thinking about the same way that I think about these school shooters who go out. We think of these horrific crimes where they go to these schools and they shoot up a bunch of people, but they leave out of the mainstream media the fact that doctors and nice white lab coats at pediatricians' offices and psychiatrists and our big pharma masters had drugged these kids, had created the conditions within themselves that they would become homicidal killers. So I think it's always worth taking that into account. When we see horrific acts, maybe understand who maybe was responsible for them. But anyway, I want to read some of the quotes from Ted Kaczynski's uh, manifesto because they're interesting, particularly with the you know, 25 years we have since he, since he wrote this. So these are quotes from Ted Kaczynski's. Uh, he said, imagine a society that subjects people to, uh, to conditions that make them terribly unhappy, then gives them the drugs to take away their unhappiness. Science fiction? It's already happening to some extent in our society. 
And this was in 1995. This is when the the kick for uh, antidepressants and Adderall and Effexor and the rest of this pharmaceutical malpractice had really just started. This is when the school shooting started. It was when we decided to start medicating our children because they they were sad sometimes. And so doctors convinced parents, your child shouldn't ever be sad or tired or lazy. There must be something wrong with his brain. Let's alter that brain. So Ted Kaczynski wrote this at the very beginning of that. He said, uh, instead of removing the conditions that make people depressed, modern society gives them antidepressant drugs. In effect, antidepressants are a means of modifying an individual's internal state in such a way as to enable him to tolerate social conditions that he would otherwise find intolerable. I've got several of these here. Uh, here's another one. The concept of, quote, mental health, unquote, in our society is defined largely by the extent to which an individual behaves in accord with the needs of the system and does so without showing signs of stress. That's right. You, your son who, of course, you, you gave him uh, Cocoa Puffs and a Mountain Dew for lunch, and then you medicate him because he won't sit still in the afternoon, but it's about conformity. Any of our children that show any extra energy or creativity or just not easy to wrangle, we immediately medicate them. Got to get them in with the system. They got to be the cog they're supposed to be. Uh, Ted Kaczynski again, he says, it is important not to confuse freedom with mere permissiveness. I've done shows on that before where I talk about the fact that we, our, our country is not based on freedom. It's based on permissions, right? You want to open a business? Go down to City Hall, see what they say, check all the boxes, do everything they say, they'll let you start a business. Want to build a house? Okay. Go down to City Hall. Another quote here, uh, the big problem is that people don't believe a revolution is possible, and it is not possible precisely because they do not believe it is possible. <laughs> uh, here's one. Uh, Power depends ultimately on physical force. By teaching people that violence is wrong, except, of course, when the system itself uses violence via the police or the military, the system maintains its monopoly on physical force and thus keeps all power in its own hands. This is a big mantra of the, the libertarian society or libertarian philosophy is government is just a monopoly, uh, a monopoly of force. It's a monopoly of violence. And if you actually strip it down, who are the only people allowed to go out in the streets and just shoot somebody based on, uh, air quotes here in the studio, suspicion? And then listen to this one. Uh, those who are most sensitive about, quote, politically incorrect, unquote, terminology are not the average black ghetto dweller, Asian immigrant, abused woman, or disabled person, but a minority of activists, many of whom do not even belong to any oppressed group, but come from privileged strata of society. Think about that one. That was written back in 1995. And what do we see now? What do we see now? The, the wokesters. It's these, it's middle-class women. It's white teachers that are white straight teachers that are going out there. They're not of any oppressed group, but they take up the oppression for others. Makes them feel so good about themselves. And then there's this one. It'll lead me to one story before I go to a break here. Ted Kaczynski wrote this. It is not possible to make a lasting compromise between technology and freedom. 
because technology is by far the more powerful social force and continually encroaches on the freedom through repeated compromises. Now, the reason that I like that quote, particularly for today's show, because I, and I'm so upset. I think this story has already been covered. When I found this a couple of days ago, I was so excited to bring this to my listening audience, thinking I might have found something that no one else had noticed, and then I heard it on the, the Dana Lash show yesterday. Did you hear the story about the guy who got shut out of his, uh, of his Amazon house, of his smart home? Not shut out of it physically, but shut out of controlling uh, his thermostat or his blinds or whatever else. Uh, people that have these smart homes have got their homes wired so that everything can be done electronically. You just ask Alexa to turn down the lights. You ask Alexa to change the channel. You ask Alexa to start the dishwasher. Oh, boy, isn't that convenient. I, can, I, just, I, I can't believe I lived through those tragic times when I used to have to get up and walk to the kitchen and turn the dial to start the dishwasher. Oh, oh, that was horrible. Don't get me started on having to get up off the couch and adjust the thermostat with my finger. Oh, thank God we have progressed past that. <laughs> anyway, the guy apparently, and I'll just recount the story in case you haven't heard it, but uh, basically, basically he's got his home all wired up. Alexa runs the show there. And he comes home and nothing's working. He goes through all the troubleshooting with Amazon and everything. Turns out, turns out that an Amazon driver had dropped off a package, and as they were walking away with earphones in their headset, because of course they've got the Ring or whatever uh, Amazon's camera is, so they could see he had headphones on. The house had been programmed to say, "May I help you?" Something along those ways, so something along those lines. And the driver took it as some kind of a racial slur. He misheard it and said it was something. So he reported it to, I guess, to Amazon. Amazon cut off his house. That's right. They took over. Not going to use this. Because of some comment that a driver thinks he heard, somehow that went up the chain and got to the top of the Amazon Home Services, whatever they call this stuff. I don't know because I don't use this stuff. I have been scratching my head and talking about it on this show for the longest time. I, I cannot for the life of me figure out why so many of you have allowed, excuse me, excuse me, not allowed, you've paid for Big Brother to be in your home, <laughs> making you vulnerable to all kinds of in-house surveillance. It was the one thing George Orwell got wrong. He thought the government was going to have to come in and kick in our doors and install cameras. No, in modern-day America, we went out and we used our post-tax dollars to actually install Big Brother in our own homes. But you, you can take this a step further to anything, right? This is why I think it's such an important story, to just get people thinking a little bit. It's not just about unplugging your Alexa. Because now it creeps you out maybe a little bit. Most people won't. They love it. It's a great gimmick. I'm sure it's a lot of fun to be able to sit around the table and, you know, with your family and just be able to shout out, hey, Alexa, you can answer a question that the family has, whatever. I'm sure it's a hoot and a holler. <laughs> but, but can you imagine if this goes to your money with the CBDCs? I heard Mike say something the other day I didn't like on the radio. Turn him off. You cannot buy or sell for the next week. And if any of your friends, any of your friends, that we catch any of them bringing any food over to your house, we'll cut them off too. 
I mean, you could just imagine exactly the control grid, this digital control grid they are building for us. And this guy with his smart home uh, just discovered it in a very weird, very weird way. And, and everything now is wired, people's cars now. They're talking about putting kill switches in the cars, but bottom line, they're already so computerized. I think we're going to get to a point, <laughs> you know, this Internet of Things. Another thing, uh, I guess I'm channeling my inner Ted Kaczynski, raging against technology. Because I've been talking about these things for the, for the longest time. This Internet of Things, where they're trying to move us to 5G so that our dishwasher can talk to our toilet, can talk to our refrigerator. I don't need my appliances talking about me when I'm not home, first of all. But you can only imagine. You go out to get into your car and your car's locked down. You can't go anywhere because your refrigerator noticed that you grabbed a beer and your dishwasher heard you drink it before you got into the car. <laughs> Safety first. I mean, it is just, it's, it's amazing. If we ever have to get together to fight this government, a lot of talk about the Civil War. We'll talk a little bit about that later on today. But if we ever have to get together and get our militias together or whatever and take on the federal government, we cannot allow two people. We cannot allow the feds to infiltrate the group and nobody who has a smart home. That house is going to spill the beans <laughs> very, very quick. I can see it now. Alexa, when's my next resistance meeting? Siri, can I get directions to the Rebel Alliance HQ, please? <laughs> Alexa, uh, where can I find an automatic weapon on sale? <laughs> it's, it's not going to work, people. You've let the, you, you know, there is letting the camel's nose under the tent. The whole camel's in there and he's sitting on your couch. I'll be right back. All right, if you will indulge me just a little bit, I'm going to do what the Mike Madison Show does. We're going to talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve. They actually, uh, there was some activity there yesterday. Look for the, the people who are not interested in hearing about the Fed and all that stuff. You can't afford a house right now? The Fed. <laughs> you just suffered through inflation? The Fed. College too expensive for you? The, the Fed. I mean, I... This thing touches every uh, aspect of your life, so I just report what's going on with it. Uh, yesterday, they paused rate hikes. There was no surprise they were expected to keep interest rates uh, where they are after they have raised them at rapid pace. And I'm so, oh, it just bugs me so bad. People are talking about the horrible mistake the Fed is making by raising rates so fast. That's true. It is going to be very tough on our economy to have changed uh, the cost of borrowing money because we're addicted to debt. To do it that rapidly is going to break stuff. There's a lag effect, so it hadn't broken across the board yet. But those bank failures, you know, I think it was uh, Bear Stearns collapsed eight months before Lehman Brothers kicked off the uh, great financial crisis. Just keep that in mind. But um, but they left uh, rates at zero. The, the, uh, what I started to say... Yes, they're making a mistake now. Yes, they're inflicting pain on the U.S. economy. Yes, it's going to affect you. And yes, it's not going to be a positive effect for most people unless you understand what's going on, in which case you might succeed and thrive and actually leapfrog over your buddies. But 
their biggest problem is not raising so fast now. The biggest problem was ever going to zero in the first place. Always remember, that was the thing that distorted our entire economy. Um, but I want people to remember this one. I've just got one quote. It's short. There, there were uh, a lot of statements made by the Fed during the great financial crisis, 08, 09. A lot of them that went very famous, did not age well. If you can remember Ben Bernanke, the Fed chairman, saying, yeah, we believe the subprime mortgage problems are contained. It's just, ah, uh, oh, yeah, there's some, some of the people that never should have had a home loan, but government policies and the big banks were shoveling money at people because we at the Federal Reserve were shoveling money at the banks. And so these people never should have had fun, uh, homes in the first place, but it's contained. And then we know what happened you know, six months later, the entire housing market uh, collapsed around the country. The Fed is basically just a bigger version of Jim Cramer when they get things horrifically wrong. But uh, So I thought this one was kind of funny. Mark it in your book here. This was, uh, this was Jerome Powell making a pronunciation yesterday at his meeting talking about housing, because people are certainly looking at that since mortgage rates have gone from 3% to 7% in the course of about a year. So he had this to say about that. So certainly housing, uh, very interest sensitive, and it's the first place really, or one of the first places uh, that's either held by low rates or, or uh, that, that is held back by, by higher rates. And we certainly saw that over the course of the last year. We now see housing putting in a bottom and maybe even moving up a little bit. Um, <laughs> there you go. All clear. Jerome Powell, the master of the universe, the probably the most powerful man in the country, maybe the world, uh, has said, housing's put in a bottom. It's all over. <laughs> Just remember this one, because it's going to be another one of the worst calls the Federal Reserve has ever made. I'll be right back. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Um, and we're gonna, I'm going to get into a little bit of the Trump indictment stuff, but not. look, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the political theater season of the trial and everything around it. A lot of people don't like me to talk about Trump because I'm not very flattering most of the time, so that's not real popular. But there are some, I'll call them talking points going out there, some kind of overarching themes to this whole thing that I'm just going to put in my two cents on because I think they're I think they're kind of weird. I think they're odd. I don't I don't understand them. I'll tell you the lens that I look at it through. Before I start with this though, let me just say I am thrilled at the prospect of there being recordings of Biden taking a bribe. Because I I think they're going to take him out before 2024. I mean, I feel quite sure. I'm surprised they let him go this long. It's it's not been a good look. It's not been for, good for the Democrats. They should have taken my prediction and taken him out last May. But all I want to see, uh, I don't want to see Joe Biden just lose a presidential election if he runs again. I want to see him humiliated. And he and his wife and his son and everybody in that crime family, I think his brother's involved in this stuff too, they need to do time. Now, most of us know that's never going to happen, but that's what they deserve. But when it comes to the rest of the stuff, I mean, I'm an outsider without a dog in the hunt between Dems and Republicans. 
I want all of them in jail or worse. I'm ready to start my guillotine business if we can ever get this thing uh, kicked off right. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the trial because I just the, I'll leave that to everybody else who thinks that this is just the the witch hunt that it is, and you know, uh, you're going to hear about it uh, relentlessly. But I'm going to talk about some of these talking points. Uh, Tucker Carlson had a very interesting take, um, and I'm going to I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's long. He's got his uh, 10 minute show he's putting out on Twitter, 12 minutes, something like that. It's it's very good, and I love the fact it's fact that it is spanking the mainstream media in views. When it says it's viewed 90 million times, 112 million times, I don't know if that's all unique people. So, I, but it doesn't matter. The eyeballs that are on Tucker Carlson, I, I, I hope it makes Anderson Cooper cry at night. It should should be embarrassing to him. But what Tucker Carlson says is that the thing that got them originally to come after Donald Trump was the fact that he and he played a clip of when uh, Trump faced off with Jeb Bush, which I loved, and said, you guys lied about the Iraq war. We never should have been there. And it was interesting listening to some of that Republican audience boo him for that. (laughs) And some of those booers are still out there. They're the normies. But Trump challenged the warfare state. And I think that's a fair point. The one thing I have continually given credit for, and it said the best thing about the Trump presidency was that he woke up the people that were just a little slow to catch on to the fact that wars are such a racket. And he did that. So Tucker Carlson says, you know, this was his cardinal sin when it comes to the government, why they're going after him. Um, But he goes on to say that not everyone attacked him to his face. And I thought this was very interesting because this is a point that I've made on the show for quite a quite a long time, and I've got a question about it. Here's Tucker Carlson talking about the snakes that were surrounding Donald Trump. But others didn't say so publicly. In fact, the stealthier ones took another path. They ran toward Trump, not away from him. They sucked up to him. They ingratiated themselves to the man they intuitively understood was susceptible to flattery, which Trump is. And they did this in order to subvert his new administration from the inside. There were a number of these, and you could spot them immediately. They were flatterers. Invariably, the ones who flattered Trump the most hated him the most and disagreed the most strongly with his views. You saw them in the hallways of the White House and at press conferences. They were there slobbering over their boss with elaborate self-abasement as if they were addressing a monarch or a god. It was a scene from the Ottoman court. It was filthy and decadent, and it was false. Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, Lindsey Graham in the Congress, They all called Trump a visionary genius up until the moment he lost power, and then they unsheathed their real agenda, as always the neocon war agenda, and they piled on with maximum force. Here's Mike Pompeo, for example, on Fox News this morning. President Trump had classified documents where he shouldn't have had them, and then when given the opportunity to return them, he chose not to do that for whatever reason. When somebody identifies that, you got to turn them in. And so that's just, that's inconsistent with protecting America's soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. And if the allegations are true, some of these were pretty serious, important documents. And so that's wrong. May future historians hoping to unlock the mysteries of late Empire Washington study that clip because it will reveal everything. That now, what's so just disgusting to me about that clip is Mike Pompeo has spent his entire political career in Washington, D.C., putting our, what, how does he use it, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, he's been putting them in harm's way, voting to send them half a world away to put them to fight and die in the sand. The, the, the unmitigated gall of this ghoul 
to come out and, and talk about how Trump having some documents at Mar-a-Lago is somehow a threat to our troops, but sending them half a world away to, uh, to start a new war or, or participate in the wars that were going on, uh, th- that's nothing. Mike Pompeo's on the side of these people. It's, it's disgusting. But here's my point. Tucker's talking about something that I've been talking about for years. I saw it very early in the Trump administration. Look, the first thing when I saw he was running with Mike Pence, I said, why Mike Pence? You can't get much more establishment than this guy. I was told I was wrong. I didn't understand. He was co-opting. the. You know, it was just relentless. But I also, that list of people he just listed off, who did he say? Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, Lindsey Graham. All people that I said were snakes in the grass, the entire Trump presidency, but people were starting to look look fondly on them because they said nice things about Donald Trump. Suddenly, you thought they were on your team. And so did Trump, apparently. Look, he is still BFFs with Lindsey Graham, up to and including today, and Marco Rubio. I've seen little Marco Rubio, the evil love child of John McCain and Lindsey Graham, has been out there defending Trump in this stuff. Why do you think... Marco Rubio and Lindsey Graham, two blood-soaked monsters, why do you think they're so in favor of Donald Trump if he's the peace candidate? But But the bigger question to me is, should we not be asking the question, do we want a man who is so easily played by flattery? I've said it for years. I watched it take shape during the Trump administration. I realized, oh... Yeah, he said he wasn't going to do this. I know how they got him to do it. They go in and say, you've got to launch missiles at Syria. If you don't, you're going to look weak, Mr. President. And Donald Trump says, well, I'm not going to look weak. You know, he likes to be the alpha. So anytime they told him he was going to look weak if he didn't take some action, he took it. If they told him he would look good to do this or do it, they'll love you if you do this. Then he wanted to be loved, and so he would do those things. I mean... Trump, I think, had great instincts. It's why I voted for him in 2016 on foreign policy stuff. He was right to challenge Jeb Bush. It was a beautiful moment. Of course, Ron Paul had been saying for years and years this exact thing. Just nobody listened to him. (laughs) So Tucker does say he's the first man to ever challenge the fact that not only did they not have weapons of mass destruction, but they lied about it. Well, that's not true. Ron Paul has been saying that since I think about 2006. But these people, I mean, he never fired Mike Pompeo, did he? He never did. Donald Trump became aggressive with China, and that is manifest. I heard, saw a headline, I've not verified it, that we are asking U.S. Uh, citizens to evacuate Taiwan right now. Is the, Please tell me that's not true. But the aggression with China, the military standoff, the, the drills in the South China Sea, they went on during Trump's term. The sanctions, the, the, uh, the tariffs. It was very aggressive with that. Uh, Donald Trump was the one that sent lethal weapons for the first time ever to Ukraine. Barack Obama oversaw the coup, gave it a few years. Trump came in. They talked him into sending lethal weapons that the Ukrainian army could use to murder ethnic Russians to help kickstart this whole thing. And Trump did it. He also targeted Russia with endless sanctions. He assassinated the general in Iran. Basically, the the guy, uh, Soleimani, in Iran, that was like their vice president. And Trump assassinates him, murders him in Iraq, along with some Iraqis, and then comes out and brags about it. 
Now, I don't know that that would have been Donald Trump's instincts, but what it was was people around him going, you got to do something to look tough. You got to exert your leader. These same snakes in the grass, he listened to them over and over and over and over again. He didn't get us out of uh, Afghanistan. Four years he was in office, didn't get us out of Afghanistan. Why? Because he had these snakes around him telling him, you can't cut and run. And then <clears throat> he leaves it for the hapless idiot Joe Biden and his horrific government that botches the whole thing. And then Trump and Republicans go, look at what a bad job you did. Well, if, if Trump was the guy to get us out of uh, Afghanistan, why didn't he just damn well do it? And, and I ran across this clip. This is from a couple of days ago. How about we're buying oil from Venezuela? When I left, Venezuela was ready to collapse. We would have taken it over. We would have gotten all that oil. It would have been right next door. But now we're buying oil from Venezuela, so we're making a dictator very rich. Can you believe this? Nobody can believe it. You know where the oil, you know, their oil is garbage. It's horrible. The worst you can get, tar. It's like tar. <clears throat> so, so this is our peace candidate saying, when I had Venezuela, they were about to collapse. We had almost destroyed their entire country, and we could have just gone in there and taken their oil. I mean, is it just me? Is there not some Christian ethos surrounding this kind of idea that you don't just arbitrarily to a country that's done nothing to you? Not a good government down there. But is there anything in anybody's morality that says, no, nah, you don't just go in and crush a nation for no reason because Lindsey Graham and Mike Pompeo told you it would make you look strong. Uh, you crush them, you destroy their entire country, and then you go in and take their natural resources. That, I, I'm the weirdo for thinking, that's not right. That's not right. And, and the, the, this peace candidate who angered the deep state, I, 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 this, is, this is hard for me to understand. Uh, there's a headline yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, a few days ago. 22 U.S. service members injured after helicopter mishap in Syria. You know where they were, right? They were in the Syrian oil fields where Trump left 1,000 troops to steal a third of Syria and keep all of their oil so they can't rebuild their country. And Biden, of course, is doing the exact same thing. He's doing it too. So I, this idea that Trump's cardinal sin was being the non-interventionalist— one of the bases in Syria is called Camp Conoco for the oil company. And we've got troops over there getting injured so that Conoco can loot the, the nation of Syria. So, yeah, Trump challenged them in words. The bleedings of the neocon imperialists. But then he behaved a lot like all of them. He didn't start any new wars, but he contributed to the Ukraine war and did the bidding of the neocons when it came to national security spending. He increased military budget from $646 billion to $778 billion. That's $130 billion more per year for the military-industrial complex. So you're right, he didn't start any new wars, but he sure rewarded the military-industrial complex, didn't he? So... Uh, I'm going to get to just a couple other things. I'll take a quick break and a couple other things I just wanted to touch on as far as kind of the narratives surrounding uh, this attack on Donald Trump. I'll be right back.
All right, final segment. I got to get kind of boogie through this, and I wish I had more time. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Trump because I know number one, people don't like it. I'm just I don't know what I'm looking at. Uh, a caller called Clay Edwards' show yesterday, and he talked about the fact that the black community should love Donald Trump because when because Trump had deported so many illegals that black unemployment went way down. Now during Donald Trump's term, black unemployment was at record lows. That's true. Now. There's no evidence that he deported a whole bunch of people. I've never even seen any statistics on that. I have, none of us really know. Even if the government gives us statistics, we know they could be lying about it. But uh, just recently, black unemployment broke that record and went lower than when Donald Trump was in office. Is that because Biden's been kicking out a bunch of illegals? I don't think so. So what, what accounts for the fact that Biden just had lower black unemployment? See what I'm saying? The thing is, is that we just take these, run, these talking points and we just run with them. No facts, no nothing. I'm, I'm sure any, if I got into a conversation with somebody, they would just explain that away. Well, here's why Donald Trump, you know, it was true. Those, those stats were true when Trump, when Trump was doing it, but Biden's lying about it. No, no facts around that. <laughs> nothing. But, but here's the biggest one I wanted to touch on real quick. And this is the narrative I'm seeing is the biggest one. Um, and Tom Woods, who's a libertarian guy that I really like and respect, he retweeted this. I was a little surprised, but it's uh, some guy named Razor Fist had tweeted this out. Everything they are doing to Trump will be so much easier for them to do to you. He's rich. He's famous and connected. Far too many aren't comprehending the full scope of what is occurring here. They simply aren't conditioned to think in these terms. And there's been a, you know memes that go around and say they're not going after Trump. They're coming after you. He's just standing in the way. The, the idea that if Trump falls, the government's coming for us. They've been coming for us for decades, even during the Trump presidency. We have the most incarcerated country in the world. We are a force to abide by arbitrary rules of co a corrupt political class. And if you don't obey, the government will destroy you. Federal, state, local. How many average Americans have been targeted by this government over the past 50 years? How many small business people have had their businesses ruined over regulations or taxes? The ATF murdered 83 men and women and children in Waco, Texas. The, the FBI has railroaded hundreds of January 6th protesters, and that was they used to do it to anti-war people, civil rights people. If you are pulled over in America for a minor traffic violation and the cops search your car and find more than a few hundred bucks in cash, they will take it. They have arbitrarily around this country taken people's life savings out of their car. No suspicion of a crime, no suspicious activity. They just searched their car at a routine traffic stop and took their money. This has been happening for decades, and it was happening during Trump's term. If you do not pay $100 in property taxes on your house, they will take your home and try hard to pocket even the equity that you had in your home. They will take your It doesn't matter. You could live there for 50 years. You get elderly and fall a couple hundred bucks behind on your property taxes, boom, they take it. They kick you out. The government will take your property over eminent domain, and not just for roads or public spaces, but for private developers. The government will come in and say, well, we think we can get more tax revenue if this is a commercial property. They will come take it. If you do not allow, for, for decades now, if you do not allow federal agents at the airport to molest you, molest your grandmother, your wife, your children at the airport, they'll throw you in a cage and you'll never fly in a plane again. 
The, the government used, during the Trump administration, the government used paid informants to set up mentally challenged people for conspiracies and then bust them and put them into a cage for life. I think more than half of the people in the Gretchen Whitmer thing, the kidnapping plot, over half of those people were supposedly uh, FBI informants or agents. That was during Trump's term. I mean, our government killed a sitting president in broad daylight 60 years ago. That's when we could have caught a clue that, hey, they'll really go after anybody. And since that day, they've been coming after us. And, and I would say the exact same thing to Democrats who are trying to defend Joe Biden from his obvious corruption. I mean, that's actually worse. Biden makes millions while working Democrats barely scrape by. Joe Biden actually demanded harsher laws for you little Democrats. He ramped up the war on drugs, and he wanted longer sentences, enhanced sentences for drug offenders, except for his own corrupt son, of course. And people carry water on the left for Joe Biden. They won't admit to his corruption. They want to leave Joe Biden alone. He's our guy. But on the right, are you really thinking that, well, if we let this go too far and they get Trump, they may come after us? They've been coming after you for decades. Is it just that they're going after a billionaire from New York City? That's the, that's the line that's a little too far? I, I, as I say, I find this stuff mystifying that people do not see this. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, bye-bye. Ooh, here comes the, ooh, ready or not, here comes the boys for the